we, we hope for these young men that we have uh, nurtured the spirit in them so that they might be strong men of God. And on the, the uh, screen right now is uh, just such a man. His name was Peter Cartwright. He was a United, well, not a United, that didn't come until 1968, but he was a Methodist circuit rider, okay? A circuit rider. Back, back in the days when uh, Methodism was growing rapidly in the United States, it was back really when our, when our country was being born in the late 1700s. And these men, these brave men, carried the gospel wherever people went. They braved any frontier uh, they were called circuit riders because they would go from church to church and town to town in a circle, in a circuit, and there encourage believers in each one of those places. Many of them not whole churches, just little small groups called class meetings. But because of that, the Methodist church grew faster than any other denomination within the United States for many, many decades. And these guys were pretty hardy fellas. Most of them were in their 20s. In fact, the life expectancy of a circuit rider was 30 years old. It was that tough a life. They braved the elements. They were often out on the roads and, and in the wilds, uh, risking their lives with, with robbers and, and wild animals, uh, and then their own congregations, I guess, as well. Uh, but... Uh, Quite a bunch of guys. Peter Cartwright was, has been known to have been traveling throughout the South. And as he came to a certain town, they forewarned him before he got in the pulpit that morning that he might want to tread a little softly, that there was a distinguished uh, worshiper there that morning. In fact, it was President Andrew Jackson. And could he please uh, temper his message to be a little kinder since the president was, was in the audience? Well, he just nodded, and Peter Cartwright came to the pulpit that morning, and he says, it's good to be back in this, this little hamlet, and I'm told this day, though I wouldn't know him to see him, that the president is in our midst, President Andrew Jackson, and I just need to say that unless he repents and receives the gospel and Jesus Christ, like every other sinner in this congregation this morning, unless he does, he's going to bust hell wide open. At the doors of the church that day, a distinguished gentleman with bodyguards came out the back, and he assumed that that was the president, and his comments left him no, no question. He, he shook his hand, President Andrew Jackson, and he simply said this. He said, Sir, if I had an army of men like you, there's nobody I couldn't lick. That kind of strength. But, you know, the strength of, of the circuit riders is somewhat a mystery. They're almost always depicted like this, a soul rider on horseback, studying the Word as he went from place to place, preparing the next message so that he didn't waste time. That was a big thing with the Methodists. They were intent on not wasting any time. So they'd study by horseback as they went from one place to another. But in the last several years, they've actually studied the diaries of the circuit riders. And for them, annual conference, like Jerry and I are going to be going to next week, is not just a business meeting. For them, it was a reunion of friends, friends in a life-saving business, friends that they were giving their lives together to, 
to spread the gospel. But now that they've gotten a hold of some of those diaries and someone in their doctoral work has actually read many of those diaries, to their surprise, what they discovered is, unlike this next picture, which also is a, a picture of a Methodist circuit rider, unlike these pictures and unlike those statues that usually portray them, their diaries tell a different story. From place to place, they would conspire to meet together on the road to ride some distance together before they had to split up again to go on to the next town where they were to preach. And then they'd meet together on the road and they'd encourage one another and they'd lift each other up and they'd tell each other they could do it. They'd pray for one another and they'd strengthen one another in the Lord. And then they'd part ways again. And so people saw them coming into town as lone rangers, but they were far from alone. They had the power of God within their chest and they had kindled that fire in their fellowship with one another. And it made them men that would give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Where do you find that kind of kindling? We as Christians were never meant to live solo Christian lives. You know, you you can still do a lot of stuff on, on the internet. You can listen to Far better speakers than you're going to hear this morning. You, you, you can get a, a download at any time you have any need, but, but there's a difference between just hearing a word and finding a writing partner in life. Finding a friend and a church that walks alongside you and that shows up when the rest of the world walks out. Who's on your circuit? Who is it that reminds you that not just here on Sunday mornings when you partake of communion, but every day during the week, every moment in between, you walk with the living God and the living God walks with you. As you come forward this morning for for this meal of grace, don't just come to the table. Look around. Look around. Every other face in this place is a little testimony to the fact that they're riding the same circuit as you. Encourage one another. Be there for one another. Continue to be the people that beat your pastor to the hospitals. and Make the calls. and Check in week to week with one another. When tornadoes roar overhead, you're the one that calls and makes sure everything's still okay. You're not alone in this life. You can walk with a brother and sister. A brother and sister because of what this meal means to us all. Because this meal makes us kids all around the same table. If we have the same Heavenly Father, why shouldn't we treat one another like brothers and sisters? On the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. And he gave thanks to you, our Father. And he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks to you, our Father. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, Take and drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
And so, Lord God, we pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of juice and bread, that they may enact what they signify. We pray that partaking of them, that your Spirit might be poured out afresh within us, that partaking of your body, your Spirit might renew us as your body in this life. Father, help us to be those that are so full of you that we overflow in that reality to one another. Help us to be those, Father, who don't travel alone, but who give testimony to the fact that you are in our midst always. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, even as your Son, Jesus, our Savior, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.